the letter that changed the world, the biblical theology of the book of Romans. Tonight, the, the question we want to look at from Romans 11, why would a good God bring spiritual blindness to Israel? Because the text says clearly that he did do that. We can wish it wasn't in there or pretend it's not in there, but if words mean anything, Paul says that's exactly what God did. He brought spiritual blindness to ethnic Israel. And that interests Paul, and he wants to know why. Romans 11, verses 11 to 18. And all, as we work into it, we'll do a little bit of a review of previous verses. So I ask, Paul has the question. That's how you study the Bible. Ask questions. Did they, that's the Jewish, ethnic Jewish people, did they stumble in order that they might fall? So stumble, fall, by no means. Rather, through their trespass, so there was a sin, a rejection, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. What a, what a strange thing. Verse 12. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Does he mean every Jew, all of them, all of Israel? Their full inclusion. 13. Now, I'm speaking to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. So you see their full inclusion? Doesn't mean everyone who is a physical descendant of Abraham, but all of the elect Jews, some of them. 15. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? Then he has these two pictures from the Old Testament. If the dough offered as first fruits, and all the Jews would know what Paul's talking about here. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. So that's that baking imagery. Now there's another one. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So this, this baking of dough and this horticultural tree branch thing 17 but if some of the branches were broken off and you the gentiles although a wild olive shoot were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree still speaking to the gentiles do not be arrogant toward the branches if you are remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. So the meaning of God's dealings with all mankind, when we did this series about a decade ago, called it Romans and the Meaning of the Bible, um, you, you see the whole plan of redemption for all humanity covered in this very letter. And the very first question Paul asks in tonight's text is in 11.11. So I ask, did they stumble 
in order that they might fall. They, ethnic Jews, did they stumble in order that they might fall. And you need to notice the difference in those two terms. Two verbs, stumble and fall. To, to stumble is kind of like to trip over something. Get up in the night, use the washroom. I try not to put the light on. And Rini's asleep. And you walk. And you have that moment where your toe hits Hits that wooden leg on the bed. And you, you kind of stumble, but you don't fall. To stumble is to bump into something, to trip over something. And in the case of the Jews, what they were stumbling over is God's plan to save by faith. Abraham's faith in divine grace plus nothing else. To fall is is frequently the end result of stumbling. Sometimes you stumble temporarily, losing your balance just momentarily. Other times you stumble and fall, you land flat on your face, and sometimes you, you can't get up. So we see Paul, here's what we're looking at tonight. Paul approaching the second of his two questions. You might not remember, last Sunday night I said there's two questions Paul deals with when he thinks of the Jewish people. The first question we looked at last Sunday night, did God reject the Jewish people partially or totally? We studied that last Sunday night. The answer was God has rejected the Jewish people partially, not completely. And the key verse for that, by the way, is Romans eleven seven. What then? Israel, okay, there's all the Jewish descendants of Abraham, ethnic Jews. Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it. But the rest were hardened. So you got all of Israel, and you got this subset, the elect, followers of Abraham in faith. So the separation is clearly spelled out. There's the elect in Israel. They found favor with God. There's the rest of Israel, and they were judged by God. Now Paul has another question. It's the second question that I said we were going to study. Has God rejected the Jewish people permanently or temporarily? So it's, it's he's judged them partially, not totally. There's the elect within Israel. He's rejected them temporarily and not permanently. That's what Paul is asking in that 11th verse, certainly Israel has stumbled, but has she fallen to the point where she can't get up? Is she done? And Paul's answer is no. She's stumbled, but has not permanently fallen. And then he goes on to explain, God has this marvelous plan. Our wise God has this marvelous plan and purpose in the predominant unbelief of Israel and God's resulting judgment on her. So point number one. In his wise foreknowledge, God has used the unbelief of the Jews to spread the gospel to the Gentile world. He says that in verses 11 through 15. So I asked, did they stumble in order that they might fall? Was this, this all God was doing here? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world 
And if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Paul talks about himself. Now, I am speaking to you Gentiles. Paul's known as the apostle to the Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. Why does Paul, he, he boasts about his ministry to the Gentiles. He makes much of it. It's visible. He's going to the Gentiles with the gospel. Why does he do that? 14. In order, he tips his hand. In order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. Because he's an apostle to the Gentiles, he still hasn't forgotten the Jewish people. He thinks about the Jews all the time he's going out to the Gentiles. See what God's doing in his grace for these Gentile people? That's what he wants to do for you. That was always his plan to do that for you. If their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, 15, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? So it could be easy to conclude from God's judgment on Israel that his plan was just to write her off. He wouldn't have been unjust to do that. Unless God's plan, think about this now, unless God's plan was to force salvation on people without any participation of their will, unless he was going to do that, just force it on them, his only option is to change the way they looked at God's saving plan. And so the Jews, as a whole, have, to this day, spurned and rejected the idea of God's saving realm being entered through faith in God's appointed Redeemer, Jesus Christ. To this day, apart from a faithful believing remnant that Paul talked about, most ethnic Jews despise the idea that all can come to salvation through Christ alone. So, here's the question. How is God going to change their stubborn hearts? What can he do? He loves them. He wants to reach them. In this passage, it's striking. Here's what Paul actually says. God will do it. He will change their heart through the very act of judgment in which he brought about spiritual blindness to the truth. That seems to make no sense. Amazing as it seems, God is going to use his own judgment on the Jewish majority to cause the gospel, first of all, to come to the Gentile nations. In other words, God's appropriate judgment on ethnic Jews is actually going to accelerate the spread of the gospel to the Gentile nations. Okay, that much is obvious. But that's not the most amazing thing. Here's the most amazing thing. Paul has more to say. God will use the rejection of ethnic Israel to accelerate the spread of the gospel to the Gentile nations. And then God will do something more amazing. He will use his blessing on the Gentiles to open up the eyes of the Jews to all that they are missing in Christ. He says he's going to make them jealous. In other words, God will bring about the change of heart required among the Jewish people that never would have happened apart from God first 
hardening their hearts in unbelief so the gospel would go to the Gentiles and the conversion of the Gentiles in turn would reverse things and make the Jews jealous and want to come to Christ. It's an amazing plan. This turning to God is so striking that here's what Paul says it's like. It's going to be like a resurrection from the dead, 11.15. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? And Paul here's what Paul probably has in mind. When he talks about the Jewish people becoming jealous of God's grace being poured out on the Gentile nations, and they're somehow seeing all that God had for them in Christ had they only trusted and believed and he says one day it's going to be like life from the dead for many of them and here's the text Paul is thinking about that all the Jews would have known about Ezekiel 37 7 to 12 we only know a tiny little slice of this text that we talk about all the time Ezekiel 37 7 to 12 so I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a sound and behold a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked. Do you remember when I was a kid, I think I heard people used to sing. That w didn't quartets used to sing the knee bone connected to the head bone? Well, not the head bone, but, the, you know. And I looked. Ezekiel looks. And behold, there were sinews on them. This these bones. And flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. Now listen, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. That's what Paul's talking about. That's what's going to happen. And then Paul tells us something about a hidden motive behind his entire ministry. He's known as the apostle to the Gentiles, but here, I think only here, he tells of this motive. He took the gospel to the Gentiles, but he did it with something in mind that's in 13 and 14. He says he's an apostle to the Gentiles, and I magnify my ministry to the Gentiles. Why am I doing all this? In order to make my fellow Jews jealous and save some of them. It's essential. If the Jews, in a relatively large number, it will never be all Jews, but in a relatively large number, are to become jealous of the Gentiles, it's essential that Gentile Christians display themselves as the inheritors of all the blessings of Abraham, just like Paul said. That's what he says clearly in Romans and in Galatians. They're all descendants of Abraham, sharing all the promises and all the blessings. And until Jews come to see Christians as the true inheritance, the inheritors of all the covenant blessings given to Abraham by faith, until the Jews see that, well, they're never going to be jealous, and they're never going to come to Christ. Nope, for God's plan to succeed... Jews have to see the church as true participators in the covenant made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which, by the way, is exactly the way Paul describes you and the way he describes me. We studied these verses already in Romans 9, 6 to 8. 
Listen to what he says again. But it's not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. It has nothing to do with just ethnicity. That's what Paul's saying. And not, listen, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. That's not how you get in. But, quotes, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. Or look at Galatians 3, 7 and 8. Know then that it is those of the faith, that's us, it is those who are of the faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel before to Abraham saying, in you shall the nations, the nations, plural, be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Or look at Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. That's exactly what Paul is talking about here. Point number two. Paul uses two pictures to illustrate two different truths. It's in 16 to 18. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches were broken off, many of the Jews, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, don't be arrogant. He says, if you, if, if you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. So Paul compares Israel to two things, a lump of dough and a tree. But he's not just repeating himself. He needs both images to tell the whole story of the Jewish people. Both images have an Old Testament background. I've got to hurry. First, the dough. It comes from Numbers 15, 18 to 21. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land to which I bring you, and when you eat the bread of the land, you shall present a contribution to the Lord. Of the first of your dough, you shall present a loaf as a contribution. Like a contribution from the threshing floor, so shall you present it. Some of the first of your dough, you shall give to the Lord as a contribution through your generations. All right. So they would understand this. The offering to the Lord of the first fruit of your dough, it was a reminder that all the grain was a gift from the Lord. So in offering this first fruits, they were, in a sense, presenting all the rest. They were reminding themselves God was the giver of all the grain. They were turning from their own works as the ultimate source of their sustenance and recognizing God's provision. The first fruits. That's the picture. It's the first fruits of the Jewish people, the root were the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, their lives weren't perfect. Read your Old Testament. 
but they were a model of trust and reliance on God. Paul uses Abraham throughout the book of Romans as a model of faith, just faith in the promise of God for offspring. So this Godward trust and reliance on God's promise, that was the heritage of Israel. That was her beginning. That was the root, the call of the whole nation. The whole nation was bound up and affected by the first fruit of that original lump of dough. It's in 16a. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. But there was a problem. Pure and simple, the Jews didn't continue in the faith of Abraham. Abraham trusted God. Long before he was circumcised, he was justified by faith, Paul says. And the Jewish people rejected that. By the time of Paul's writing to the Romans, the Jewish leaders in the synagogues, not temple anymore, the synagogues, they had compiled layer after layer of legalistic law, none of them found in the Old Testament, and used this system of works, works religion, to reject Jesus Christ. They crucified Jesus Christ. So Paul needs another picture. One that would tell the whole story of where Israel was spiritually as he wrote to the Romans. And this is where this branch grafted in picture comes. The last part of 16 and 18. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches were broken off, and you, the Gentiles, although a wild olive shoot were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, don't be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. So, the first picture of the lump of dough shows the solidarity with the forefathers. The second picture shows root and branches, shows there's a separation between the faithful and those who are unbelieving. There's places in the Old Testament, um, Jeremiah 11:16. I'm not going to take the time to read, Hosea 14, 6, where God compares Israel to this tree, this olive tree. In our text, the root of the olive tree, the root, that's the faith of Abraham and the patriarchs. Paul already said this. You can go back to it. It's in Romans 4, 11 to 13. That's what he says. The root is Abraham, the faith of Abraham. But the Jewish branches didn't remain in that root. That's the problem. They rebelled. They rebelled against the idea of faith in divinely revealed grace. They trusted in their ethnic Jewishness rather than in Christ. When Christ came to his own, the Jews, they wouldn't receive him. He said he came to his own and his own received him not. All those branches, Paul says, were broken off. That's so important. Those branches broken off, they're still Jews outwardly but not inwardly. They're ethnic Jews, but no longer the true Israel. Paul, in the New Testament, a lot of people don't like this. Paul actually calls the church the Israel of God. That's the name he uses to talk about you and talk about me. This is the true Israel from the time of Christ onward to participate in the life of the root of the olive tree, to share the faith of Abraham, to be joined to Christ in faith, True, the Gentiles are grafted in, grafted into the olive tree. All the Jewish branches had to do was receive the life of the root. All they had to do was to maintain faith 
the faith of the root of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they didn't do that. They departed. They were broken off. So here's the important point. Here's the takeaway point. We're almost done. There is now only one tree, and there's only one root system. The only way any branch, Jew or Gentile, the only way any branch remains in the tree is by faith in the same Messiah and the same Redeemer. All religions on earth, including Orthodox Judaism, all religions are measured by their allegiance to Jesus Christ, God the Son. And the clearest place where Jesus says that is in John 8, 42. Jesus said to them, he says to these Jewish people, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. That's the truth for Jews and Gentiles. God is going to use the faith of the Gentiles to make Jews jealous and to wake them up to the gospel. He's going to do it, but only through faith in Jesus Christ. There will never be any other way to be saved for anybody on earth. Let's pray.